Welcome to Kenny and the Coaches. We are closing in on the end of July, and football practices are about to start for the 2023 season. And also, this week is the annual Coaches Clinic in Tulsa. And what better way to spend your drive on the way up there than to listen to a few episodes of Kenny and the Coaches, starting with this one and Cash Head Football Coach, Baron Griffin. All right, Coach, thanks for taking time to visit with me a little bit. I know it's the summertime, but uh, it's always... It's always kind of a relaxing time, hopefully, but thanks for taking a few minutes and visiting with me. Well, I always enjoy visiting and talking about football. It's one of my favorite things. All right. Well, okay. First off, <laughs> tell us a little bit about this upcoming season. I mean, uh, what can fans look forward to in the 2023 year? Uh, well, you know, we're, we're uh, really excited about the kids that we have coming out this year. Um, we're going to have a lot of young kids on the field uh, mixed with the veterans and uh they're really scrappy. Uh, these kids play real well together. They like each other. Um, you know, they're just a lot of fun to coach. There's uh, not any selfishness in there. Uh, we had a great off season. We've had a great uh, spring. Our uh, spring ball went really well. Uh, we installed a new offense, and uh, uh, we're excited about what it's going to bring us as well. Yeah. How how big of a factor do you think it is having those kind of like those veteran leaders to kind of help along those those younger guys, especially like in in you guys are in four A, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah, I mean especially like in four A when it's you know you're going to be playing somebody that's pretty good every week. You know how important is that veteran leadership? Well, it's extremely important to have good leaders. Uh, you know mm-hmm. we've 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 had some bad ones before, but you know for the most part we've had good leaders, and and you got to you know kids that have been in that fire before and been in that battle uh it helps to have them there to lead those younger kids through it and and, uh you know keep them motivated and keep them playing hard throughout the course of the game especially when there's uh bad breaks that happen and you know just kind of show them the ropes to to what's going on out there um you got to have coaches on the field and that's what those uh, senior leaders are oh man yeah the coaches on the field man that that's something that i think is so underrated you know because i mean that you as a coach you know you know you know the team you're about to play inside and out by the time friday gets there and it's you know whenever you have a kid that kind of is in that same mold as you out there on the field it makes so much more of a difference absolutely you know you try to prepare these kids and uh as much as possible for the week and and get them prepared for friday night you know and it, it's kind of like uh, that old saying mike tyson uses uh everybody has a plan until <laughs> they get punched in the mouth you know and, yeah and that's kind of the thing once that once the hitting starts and you know kids are gonna uh, revert back to what their training is and the, the harder they've trained and the more they've prepared themselves uh, the better it's going to be for them out there. And, you know, we've had uh, in the past, we've had some great leaders uh, that were prepared like that. You know, uh, a couple of years ago, we had Hunter Glenn, who was a quarterback that was a three-year starter. And, you know, every time we took the field, I was real comfortable that he knew what was going to happen out there when things went bad. He was going to lead us in the right direction. And, you know, uh, we've got some of those kids this year like that that I'm really excited about. Yep, yeah. How has uh, you're a, a Cash alumni, aren't you? Yes, sir. How has that? How's it been coming back to your alma mater? How's that been for you and your family? Well, you know, it, there's a lot of upside, and then there's some downside too. You know, uh, true. Yeah. 
you know, one of the one of the negative things I would say is, you know, coming back here, uh, it doesn't matter whether it's involving football or anything involved with the school. If something goes wrong, you know, my phone's one ringing. You know, and, <laughs> yeah. hey, what's going on up there? Mm-hmm. Uh, but the positive side is, is is knowing the dynamics, knowing the type of people here. Uh, you know, and that, that was just a, a childhood dream of mine to be able to go out and learn as much as I could to be successful in football and come back here and and uh, build a program uh, that the people here in this community could be proud of. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you get a lot of instant support mm-hmm. uh, when you come back just because of uh, the families and, and people you grew up with and people that you've known and your family have known for a long time. Um, you know, on the flip side of that, when when things aren't going so well, you know, people feel a little bit more comfortable to to call and maybe bash you a little bit. Uh, so, yeah. you know, it has its ups and its downs, but uh, I, I love it here and love the community, and it, it's uh, it's been a, a great deal for us. Yeah. Now, what going back to whenever you first started coaching, what what do you think were some of the factors that influenced your decision to become a coach in the first place? Well, when I was young, um, you know, just some life events I, I went through, football was a, a great outlet for me and, and mm, uh, mm-hmm. a way to get through some of those things. And, uh, you know, I've always loved the game and, and knew uh, that I probably wouldn't even be able to play it much past high school. So uh, mm-hmm. the way to be involved in it was coaching. And, uh, you know, fortunately I was able to uh, – to uh, join a great staff uh, when I first started and uh, had some great mentors that, uh, you know, just really sparked that flame for me to want to be a coach and and to lead. Yeah. Now, did you have, or you may still have a a coach or a person that whenever you have a question or a problem with something or just some advice that you need, is there a a, kind of a go-to guy that you have? Well, yeah, I spent a long time with the, the MacArthur staff uh, starting in 1993, and uh, Max Plunk, Leo Holmes, all those guys over there that I was on that staff with uh, were great mentors to me, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Ernie Manning. So when things go, you know, uh, awry or, you know, something I, I face that I need to help with um, or, or some advice, you know, I feel free to call those guys, and they're always there. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, there's guys that I've had on staff with my first head coaching job. Uh, you know, John Robinson was my defensive coordinator, and he was a, uh, a very experienced coach and knew the community well. And, uh, you know, uh, Wayne Pierce was another guy down there that was uh, um, a veteran in coaching and, and was able to bounce some things off of them and still do from time to time. Mm-hmm. Man, I think that stuff is so important, being able to have those guys that you can go – because, I mean, it, sometimes, you know, it's nice just to get perspective from other people, not necessarily from the outside looking in that are sitting in the stands, but just from people that have kind of been through the same fires that you've been through. You know, that I think that stuff is so important as, as a coach. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, I've got some of these guys that uh, that have – become head coaches here lately that, uh, you know, Javon Harris is uh, mm-hmm. a, a young man that I coached uh, at MacArthur, and uh, he got the head coaching job there at Eisenhower. And, 
you know, I immediately went to him and said, look, you know, I, I know you know football, I know you know this, but look, there's going to be some things that you're not prepared for, and, and when those times happen, you know, hey, feel free to come to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was the same way with John Wyatt at, at Elgin, you know, I immediately mm-hmm. told him, hey, there's anything I can do, you know, if you face something that you need some advice on, feel free to reach out, and you know, that's the one thing, coaching is a brotherhood, and Mm-hmm. And doesn't matter where you're at or, or who you're coaching for, you know we're really all in it for the same thing, and that's to benefit the kids. And and uh, you know, like I said, sure. there's there's challenges, and they're getting harder every year with the changing of society. Mm-hmm. You know, we're dealing with things that coaches 20 and 30 years ago never had to deal with. So yeah. it's just <clears throat> constantly changing, and, and you have to have those people to draw from and get advice from. Sure, absolutely. Now, I, I saw I did a little uh, trolling on you. <laughs> I saw a Facebook post from a couple of years ago where you were awarded. It was a teacher appreciation award. And it, in the little post, it said that you sincerely desire to impact kids on and off the field. You know, I think a lot of times people look at coaches and they go, well, you guys are just coaches. You don't care anything about stuff going on in the classroom. But, I mean, it seems, I mean, just from, from reading that, it seems like you're kind of invested in just kids in general. Kind of explain what you think your role is as a teacher and a coach. Well, you know, we, we have so many different roles. And like I said, with the way society's changing, we, we have so many kids that are fatherless. We have so many kids from broken homes. Uh, you know, there's, there, there's a lot of grandparents that are raising kids in this day and time. And, you know, we have a big job. Uh, if, if people saw what coaches actually do uh, when the practices and games are over for kids, they would be amazed, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kids need advice. They need structure. They need uh, things to help them and prepare them for the world. And, you know, I've always felt like that was my calling, um, whether it be in the classroom or whether it be coaching. You know, one of the things that we've implemented in our program is we've got to break the cycle of broken homes and and, and torn up families. And, and I challenged my coaching staff last year. I said, you know, a lot of these kids never hear the word "I love you" from a male figure. Mm-hmm. So I, I told my assistant coaches, I want once a week, I want the kids to hear from you those three words. And uh, you know that way someday they understand that when they have a wife it's okay for a male to say those words mm-hmm. more importantly when they have children someday it's okay to say those words and, and to mean it and 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 to show that feeling and you know hopefully um even if it saves one two three uh marriages uh relationships with their own children then it's been worth it and those are the kind of things that I truly believe in and, and what my calling is way more than the X's and O's. Oh, absolutely. That's what I think a lot of people, and I hope that's what a lot of coaches are in it for, is for that stuff. I think sometimes people get caught up with the 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 win and loss columns. I mean, and that stuff is important, but it's the stuff yeah. that we do for these kids, you know, outside of the lines, you know what I mean? And that, that's that's something that just from me doing this podcast for the last year and a half, I mean, that's something that's really kind of been hammered home to me 
was the fact that we are not doing this. We're, we're definitely not doing it for the money, you know, oh, sure. <laughs> but, but it's, it's more for those relationships that you can build and helping kids. Like you said, it may, they may not realize it now, but you know, 10, 15 years down the road, they're going to hopefully remember something that, that you or I said to them and it's going to be like, Oh, that's what coach meant. You know, and yeah. that, that stuff yeah. right there is why we do it. Well, and you know, I, I, I don't know of any coaches that personally that aren't in it for the kids. Yes. You know, all of them mm-hmm. I've met, all of them that I work with, uh, you, you know, it's like I said, it's a brotherhood and we're all in this for, uh, the betterment of our kids and eventually the society as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the FCA has that poster out there and, and it's been said by many people that a coach will make more impact on kids than anyone else, mm-hmm. you know, and, and a lot of people just, they don't grasp that. Um, you know, we, we try to teach values and morals and character. And, uh, again, a lot of the things that are, will help these kids and prepare them for the future. Absolutely. And now speaking of FCA, I know that Cash, you know, you guys have uh, a few FCA events there. How important do you believe FCA is for a school and for schools' sports programs? Well, personally, you know, being a Christian and, and of course, I'm uh, ordained also, you know, uh, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes is our legal way to uh, mm-hmm. to keep God and Jesus in, in the school system. Mm-hmm. And uh, being able to uh, have that influence and, and you know, I, I tell my kids that, that play for me, look, you know, I, I tell you I love you. Well, if I truly mean that, that means your afterlife too. I do care where you go there, mm-hmm. uh, you know. So I, I try to use that influence. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. maybe I cross the lines of legality a little bit, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, if you do care about kids and care about people, you know, hopefully people are going to see that in the right way. Um, but the Fellowship of Christian Athlete has just been a great way for us to reach out. You know, it's just like this week at the seven on seven that we're going to have. There's going to be 200 to 250 kids there mm-hmm. uh, they're going to hear somebody speak on the, on the word of God and you know I, I've had I had a youth minister hey you're kind of cutting into our, our youth service on Wednesday night and I said that's not my purpose I said my purpose is, is I'm going and seeking uh, we're going to reach uh, kids that will never come to your church mm-hmm. so we're going out there and, and we're utilizing football as a tool and through the fellowship of Christian athletes uh, we're we're reaching them, and they're going to hear the word of God, so that someday maybe they will show up in your church. Absolutely. Now, I mean, I, you said that, and I'm sitting here thinking, does it really matter where they hear the word at? Whether <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> right. You know, we're, we're again, we're all in it together. So. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yes, sir. Now, shifting gears a little bit. Um, during your summer pride, what would you say? is the emphasis that you kind of focus on? Is it more the strength side? Is it more the, uh, like the speed and agility side? Or do you kind of do a little bit of both? Well, we, we do, we do three phases in our summer, uh, pride. Uh, we do work on strength, uh, and we work on agility. We also work on conditioning and, and probably the conditioning is the biggest part uh, of our summer pride in July, just uh, getting those kids acclimated to the heat and getting them prepared for the upcoming season as far as being in shape and condition so that when they put the pads on, 
you know, there, there's not as much heat stress on them, and, and their bodies are acclimated, and they're ready to get after it, and they learn better. It keeps them safer. Uh, you know, we have an athletic development class throughout the year for our athletes. Uh, so we, we have phases through that to work on strength, to work on agility, and those things throughout the year. So when Summer Pride gets here, we work on all three of those things, but the, probably the biggest emphasis is the conditioning and getting them mm-hmm. acclimated and ready for the upcoming season as far as their their conditioning and being ready for the heat. Yeah, get that. Uh, one of my old coaches used to call it uh, Freon poisoning. Get that Freon poisoning <laughs> out of their system. That's exactly right. <laughs> Now, kind of keeping on that uh, conditioning thing, what's kind of your philosophy during the season on conditioning? I'm asking this because I've kind of just here recently kind of – I don't know if you've heard. My podcast isn't big enough, so I don't think anybody's going to mind me saying, um, oh, fast cats training. I don't know if you've heard anything like that. Where they don't focus so much on the, like, long distance kind of, you know, they they focus on training at top speed – and not doing very much. I mean, that's uh, yeah, yes, and that's the new thing. And yeah, we we went to that as well. Um, you know, uh, Coach Thompson, our defensive coordinator, is also our boys' track coach, and um, he had uh, w- was able to listen to some of that at a clinic. And mm-hmm. uh, I was exposed to it a few years ago at a strength and conditioning clinic at Baylor, um, and so you know we we have started implementing a lot of that as well. Um, you know, if you go talk to uh, Lauren Montgomery at Bixby, he will tell you, you know, uh, kids aren't going to run. You know, it doesn't make sense to have a kid run a 300-yard gasser or, or a 300-yard shuttle when they're never going to run 300 yards in the game. <laughs> True. You know, True. Uh, so, you know, I'm kind of old school. Yeah. <laughs> some of that, uh, yeah. some of that. The 300 yard shuttle stuff is more for mental toughness than it is being conditioned. But uh, as far as training, you know, this fast cat stuff and, and top end speed stuff, uh, you know, yeah, we're implementing that. As a matter of fact, uh, our athletic director, we've we've got her sold on implementing it in all of our sports because we encourage our kids to play as many sports as possible. And if they're in a sport all year round. Uh, they're not ever getting off-season training, so uh, we're implementing about uh, 10 to 15 minutes of that training per day in all of our sports starting this next year. So uh, we're excited about that. Yeah, I know what you mean. Every time I look at it, I'm like, man, I, that makes it makes sense. But, man, I, I would sure have a hard time pulling the trigger on that, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, we, we still keep some of the old school stuff implemented just because, uh, yeah, you know, you mental toughness in sports is a huge thing. And, you know, sometimes uh, I, as an athlete, when I was an athlete, you know, looking not so much uh, at, at, at uh, you know, hey, am I going to run 300 yards as fast as I can, Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just the mental aspect of attacking that, sure, uh, you know, sure. toughens a kid up sometimes mentally, and that's that's kind of what that old school stuff's for. But you know, as far as training for the top end speed and, and all this new stuff, I mean, they they all have their place. And, yeah, and I think you have to have a a good balance of all those things. Yep. Yeah. Now, how would you say uh, you, you talked about coaching uh, Coach Harris over at, at whenever he was at Lock Mac? I mean, he. He was a pro football player, so I mean, you've seen some really good athletes over your career. 
But how would you say the game and just the Oklahoma high school football player has evolved over the years? Oh, you know, um, that's really kind of a a tricky question. I mean, the game itself has changed so much. Just uh, like you said, you know, when I first started coaching, everybody was in the I formation. (laughs) I can remember in 1995 at MacArthur, we – we went spread, but it was under center. <laughs> you know, nobody <laughs> yeah. was in the gun back then. And, yeah. and uh, it still was, was, we wanted to spread everybody else so we could run the football. Um, but, uh, you know, just the, the, just the difference in the game, it just has evolved so much. The spread and, and RPO stuff has just changed the game so much. Uh, as far as the athletes, you know, it, I think, uh, you know, I just read Jimmy Johnson's book this last uh, Christmas break, uh, Swagger, and I can remember listening to Coach Johnson and Dave Wanstead at some coaches' clinics, and their big deal was they wanted to bring speed to the game, yeah. especially on defense. And, and Jimmy Johnson, when he first got to Dallas, to the Dallas Cowboys, he was being criticized for drafting a lot of guys that were seemingly undersized on defense but they didn't realize the speed they had. And mm-hmm. so, you know, now speed is the name of the game, especially with all the spread stuff that's going on. And, and you know, uh, it, it just it, it's kind of funny. This stuff uh, goes around. You know, when, <laughs> when we were growing up and OU was uh, in the wishbone and the triple option, uh, you know, everybody thought that was the greatest offense. And, you know, then everybody started going to the spread. Well, if you look at a lot of the stuff that's being done in the spread, it's, it's true the triple option. It's, yes, it is. Run a different way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, everybody spread out. So, you know, the game's changed so much. You know, there's been a lot of debate on, on concussions. And one of the things that, that uh, probably the most interesting point that I've heard on concussions, you know, when, when I played in the 80s and even, you know, you in the 90s, when people are in eye formation and things, a lot of the collision were at three feet apart. Now, mm. with the spread, uh, you know, you've got two missiles running from 15 and 20 yards apart yeah, true. Uh, in an open field. And so I think that's that has a lot to do with that as well, and that's one of the ways the game's changed. But as far as athletes, you know, uh, it, it's come down to speed and, and agility and, you know, the the if you look in the pros and and even at the college level the old school inside linebackers they're just not the same anymore no. they need guys that no. can cover tight ends running backs out of the backfield and mm-hmm. uh you know it's just it's evolved that way yeah they've almost it seems like linebackers anymore i mean if you look at the pros there's no real uh, like ray lewis's anymore you know they're no, all no. they almost look like all converted safeties yes yeah absolutely yeah now do you foresee with the the changes coming up not this coming year but the year after next with the the splits and b a and 2a do you foresee that kind of having a rippling effect in in 4a at all I don't think it's going to have a whole lot of effect with us. Um, I, I'm glad they're doing it. You know, I coached at Walters for five years, and, uh, you know, we were the smallest 2A school uh, in the state while I was there. And, yeah. uh, you know, we would have benefited from the split that they have now. And, you know, uh, I can't I always 
there was always a big argument uh, with the big school and small school and, and the, the divide between the top and the bottom. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, smaller schools don't have as, as much depth, but yet they're playing an extra game every year if they make it to the state championship. Yeah. And so, you know, there's so many things that, that bigger school coaches don't see in those smaller schools and the needs that they have uh, for that split as well. So I think it's a good thing as far as it hurting us or helping us. I, I don't see it really affecting anybody from 3A on up okay. uh, very much. <laughs> Okay, I was just I heard that the numbers were going to kind of stay the same. It's just they were splitting those numbers, and you know I didn't know if that would you know if you'd see some teams dropping down or trying to drop down. You know how that stuff goes. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, you know that's going to happen regardless True. of what the format is. You know? and, yeah. and you always have the private school debate thrown on top of that, which is always a very hot issue. Yeah. I don't think that's going anywhere anytime soon, nor do I think there's going to be anything done about it in the near future. So it's just yeah, yeah, I don't either. You know, we we had a we had a a big uh, vote and everything to make that change, and then uh, I think it passed uh, on the surveys, but uh, it's been held up when it got to the OSSAA yeah. and actually implementing it. So. Yeah. You know, it's going to be business as usual and the same old, same old. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, I, yeah, I've, I could talk about that for an hour. <laughs> just... Well, I can't, I can't too, you know. <laughs> you know, it just, it, it really, you know, um, well, I, I'm just not going to say anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, pro- that's probably, probably the best. That's probably the best. Now, Coach, I mean, I, I've kept you on here long enough, but i got one final question for you. I always try to ask one that's kind of, uh, kind of makes you have to think a little bit. Okay. All right. Now, I've never met anyone with the name of Farron before, so I kind of I kind of looked up the meaning of your name, and I and I need to know which one of these two that you go with whenever people ask what your name means. First one I said said it's of old English origin, and means handsome servant. Okay, but the the other one said that it's of French origin and means a ferret, like the animal a ferret. So which one of those do you go with when you when people uh, ask? I, I've never really been asked. <laughs> say the first one okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I can give you the story on how I got the name and, and sure uh, yeah uh, you know uh, my dad uh, is old fashioned and he's a uh, 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 likes country and western music uh, he grew up being a professional bullfighter and rodeo clown and uh, oh okay uh, I grew up around that and and uh, there was a uh, country singer by the name of Farron Young Okay. And that's who I'm named after. And, I, you know, I've often told my dad, well, why couldn't you name me after Merle Haggard? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean, I've had so much trouble with that unusual name, you know. Yeah. <laughs> now, my last name, the meaning of it, you know, I kind of like that better because it's a half eagle, half lion. But <laughs> Hey, that's not bad. A handsome <laughs> servant lion. That's not bad. That's not bad. <laughs> well, anyway, I've never, I've never heard that about the origins of my name. I just always knew it come from this old country and western singer who I couldn't stand. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can start telling people that the the handsome servant one from now on. Right, that's what I'll do. <laughs> Well, well, Coach, man, I appreciate you taking time and visiting with me. And, uh, I mean, it sounds like you've got a good thing going there, not just with the football, with just the, the, the life lessons that you're instilling in these kids. And I'll be keeping up with, with cash football from here on out. Absolutely. I enjoy doing this. 
Thanks to Coach Griffin for being on the podcast today, and thank you for listening. New episodes come out every Sunday at 10 a.m. on your favorite podcasting site. Don't forget about Not So Instant Replay this Wednesday at noon. You can also find links to the podcast on the Kenny and the Coaches Facebook page. And if you're on Twitter, you can search at Kenny Coaches. And don't forget, that's K-E-N-N-E-Y and the Coaches. Until next time. Thank you.